0: Welcome to LeGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast. We explore the wonder of God. God's transcendence, God's grace, God's presence are all found in the story of Jacob's Ladder. You're listening to The Wonder of It All by Rev. Ruth Bovin. God speaks His Word to us this morning from Genesis 28. We'll be reading verses 10 through 17. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you, and I will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. This is the word of the Lord. I chose this Old Testament text to preach this morning because I love the Jacob stories. I preached not long ago on Jacob wrestling with God, but this story is my favorite. It's my favorite because it's filled with wonder. And it's my conviction that wonder is something we could all use more of. Often when something becomes a regular part of our life, we start to take it for granted. We fail to wonder at it anymore. For example, the ability to read. When was the last time you were amazed at the fact that your eyes see simple dots and lines on a page, and those symbols get translated into words in your left occipital temporal cortex, and from those words, your brain, through complex neurological functions, draws information and meaning, formulates thought and understanding. I thought about that recently. When I read an article in which the author, Debbie Thomas, describes how she learned to read. She was three years old when her immigrant mother emptied out the closet in their Boston apartment, the only space they could spare, and installed a tiny table and two little chairs that she found at a flea market. Not able to afford teaching materials, her mother would cut out words and pictures from magazines and greeting cards and scotch-tape them to the closet walls. Well, Debbie remembers her mother taking great care with all of those scraps, Every morning she would sit at that tiny table with her mother, surrounded by her mother's word and picture tapestry. Mom would point, and Debbie would read the matching symbols kitten, puppy, horse, rainbow. As soon as she would master one set of images and letters, Mom would replace them with new ones, often at night, to be discovered in the morning. The author said, I remember feeling as if the walls were alive. An organic, ever-changing picture book. Fence, table, girl, boy, rock, tree. As my skills improved, she taught me the words she considered more important and more beautiful than all others, says Thomas. In the beginning, God, the Lord is my shepherd. For God so loved the world, and the word became flesh. What Debbie's mother was doing was instilling in her daughter a sense of wonder. She was condescending to her level of understanding by giving her tiny, beautiful glimpses of a bigger world that learning to read would gradually reveal. John Calvin taught that God does something like that for us. God accommodates to our small capacity for understanding by giving us glimpses of revelation in God's Word and in the world around us. Sometimes, whether we're comfortable with this idea or not, God uses dreams and visions to condescend to us. Both the Old and New Testaments contain many such events. So for just a few minutes this morning, I invite you to consider with me The wonders revealed in Jacob's dream. The first thing to notice in our story is Jacob's discovery that he lives in a world he did not make and cannot control. When Jacob places his head on that stone, falls to sleep, sees the ladder with the angels going up and down it, the voice in the dream makes clear who's in charge. And it's not Jacob. At the top of the ladder stood the Lord. And in God's brief communication to Jacob, God declares no less than eight times things about who God is and about what God will do. I am the Lord, the God of our father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you the land on which you're lying. I am with you. I will watch over you. I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. So who's writing and directing and is the main actor in the unfolding story of Jacob's life? Clearly, it is someone transcendent to Jacob. Clearly, it's God. Friends, I know all too well that one of the hardest things to come to terms with in life is that I am not in charge. I do not get to make the rules for this world. Our world belongs to God. I am creature not creator. Like Job, I must stand in humble awe and repentance and wonder and say, no, I was not there when you laid the foundation of the earth, when you placed its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the heavenly beings shouted for joy. It is you, God, who gave the horse its might and clothed its neck with mane. It's not my wisdom, but yours that the hawk soars and spreads its wing toward the south. Or that the eagle mounts up and makes its nest on high. You have commanded the morning since our days began and caused the dawn to know its place. It's you. You are God. And I am not. We, like Jacob, forget that sometimes that we live in a world not of our own making. Jacob, in his dream, was given the gift of reorientation, of seeing again the world as it really is, with God, the only one capable of sustaining this world as its creator, poised at attention at the helm with Jacob and Jacob's ladder at his feet. That vision must be our vision too. The commentator Craig Barnes put it this way, when I wake up in the morning, I can jump in the shower, grab a cup of coffee, and rush off to work to be productive. Inevitably, that will destine me to a day of running. Like Jacob, I will be either running to make something happen or running away because something didn't happen the way it was supposed to. But if sometime in the morning, I become still with prayer and the words of God then it will occur to me that all of the important things have already been accomplished today. The sun came up, and the earth stayed on its axis without any help from me. I have awakened to a world I did not create to receive a salvation I did not earn. The first wonder is the wonder of God's transcendence, that we live and breathe and have our being in a world not of our own making. The second wonder is the wonder that the latter is not there for Jacob to climb. In fact, it's not Jacob's ladder at all. The second wonder is that God extends God's ladder down to a scoundrel like Jacob. The second wonder is the wonder of God's grace. You see, up until now, Jacob imagined that if he could climb the ladder of birthrights and family privileges and success, then he himself could pull down a blessing from heaven. But it doesn't work that way. That's not how blessing comes to us. The blessing of heaven is not something we strive for, it is a gift to be received, it is extended to us, ladder-like, down to those who have not earned it and who do not deserve it. It reaches down even to scoundrels like Jacob and me and you. I read that some ancient peoples constructed their homes by driving a great stake into the ground and then building their home around that center pole. The pole symbolized the center of the world and the heavens around them. It was their axis mundi, something like their ladder from heaven. It gave their home a sense of order and purpose. When disasters would strike, they rushed to that center pole where heaven and earth were held together. Again, Craig Barnes, in his book, Hustling God, proposes that for followers of Jesus, the empty cross is the great center pole that ties heaven to earth. When disaster strikes, only that cross offers perspective and understanding. In fact, the word disaster literally means away from the stars and heavens. When you have lost your job, or when the lab report comes back with bad news, or when your heart is breaking for one of your children or grandchildren, it feels like Earth has been moved away from heaven. It is a disaster. Where are you going to go when that happens? Are you going to run around more quickly, grabbing and striving? That won't help. The only hope is to go back to the center of the universe. Go back to the ladder God extends to you. Go back to the empty cross where you will always find the risen Savior waiting with grace and love beyond your imagining. When Jacob wakes from his dream, he is filled with wonder. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I didn't know it. How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Sisters and brothers, Truly, it's a wonder to awake to a world we did not make and to receive a salvation we did not earn and to realize that God's presence is right here with us. Surely God is with us even when we know it not. The house of God, the gate of heaven, right here in the middle of us this morning. You know, most of the time, it's, it's not that hard at all here at LaGrave to imagine the gate of heaven in worship. When Larry or Jonathan, as the case may be, swell the final verse of, Oh God, beyond all praising, heaven feels near. When Peter pierces our heart with the beauty and wonder of God's holy word, heaven seems close. When Bob baptizes a baby or helps us celebrate young but courageous faith, we hear heaven whispering. When Christy puts words together that give our prayers wings, the gates of heaven feel open. When Mike calls us to trust that as we seek out the vulnerable and come close to the powerless, the gate of heaven feels open to us. These gifts of worship help us see Jesus, the gate of heaven, and help us to wonder at the grace extended to us through him. But here's one final point. It's a critical one. As important and wonder-filled as our worship together is. This time of gathered worship is not the only or even the primary place of God's presence. If you walk down to the corner of Division and Cherry and spend some time there, you will see the gate of heaven there too. It can show up in hospital rooms, in refugee camps, in addiction recovery centers, in prisons, in homeless shelters. It can show up anywhere in this wide, hurting world. And it does. I've heard that as Mother Teresa served the poor in Calcutta, she and others would always begin their work by seeking Jesus in prayer. Then they would go out to the streets, to the stranger, the outcast, the hungry, the dying, because they knew that's where they'd find him. Friends at La Grave, the wonder of it all is that God reaches down to us and opens the gate of heaven. With grace sufficient to cover all of our selfish strivings, God extends his great love to us in Jesus. May the wonder of it all keep filling you with hope and faith and gratitude as you keep believing and serving and proclaiming God's perfect love. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let's pray. Love divine, all loves excelling. Joy of heaven to earth, come down. Fix in us thy humble dwelling. All thy faithful mercies crown. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast.